Welcome to The Howler, your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Drew Blevins and Nick Sinopoli. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to season number two of The Howler here, a production of Pack TV. I'm Drew Blevins, your host as always. We do have to say goodbye to my co-host Chris Lehman. We lost him to graduation. Chris was such an instrumental part of this show, and best of luck as he endeavors on forward. My co-host will be Nick Sinopoli for this go-round, but you're going to get to hear a lot of different personalities. You'll get to hear from our producer Logan Sims, who returns for his second season of The Howler, and perhaps you'll get a couple of analysts as well like Ethan Barry of Pack TV and Madison Bell host of the Daily. Nick, thanks so much for being with us. Excited to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I'm I'm really excited for a great season, Drew. Well, our first guest on the Howler is somebody that we have become so very familiar talking to and that would be the man behind the mustache, head coach of NC State men's hockey, Mike Gazillo. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us here on the inaugural episode of season 2 of the Howler. Yeah, thanks. It's my pleasure. Coach, let's go ahead and revisit last season as we get into this preview of NC State hockey. Last year, there was so much success on this team. It's something like 10, 11 straight victories, only two losses going in uh, beyond the month of December, and then, of course, taking that one against Wake Forest in the ACCHL championship game against George Washington. This was one of the best seasons in NC State hockey history. So many good pieces on that team. What's it like trying to rebuild after losing so many seniors, especially defensively? Well, you got to kind of look at the things that we did well, the things that worked for us, uh, and then you kind of remove the guys that left. And then you look at guys that are coming in, and over a little bit of period of time with the practices, uh, we could try to see where we can, you know, fit guys in and, and try to get back to, to the things that we were doing well last year. Well, there has been a lot of young blood infused into the lineup, especially defensively. You picked up sizable defenseman John Koklenberg, a faster guy, and Ryan Lensmeyer. Also added a couple of more forward pieces, Eric Webb, who once upon a time played for the Fayetteville Fire Ants organization, and also a little bit of fresh blood at goal, considering Calvin Stone's going to be back from his injury, and also the additions of Ian Hutchison and Jess Tart back behind as well. Most likely, they're going to be practice squad goaltenders, but all four of those guys are also capable of playing what do you make of the new guys so far? Yeah, I'm pretty happy with what I saw at tryouts. Um, I think that, uh, that we have a lot of depth in goaltending um, with, with having the four guys and, and Jess and, and Ian being young. Uh, there'll be plenty of time for development for them, and I think they're, they're going to prove um, to be a good addition You know, as we go along. Uh, as far as the forwards and the defense, you know, again, we're, we've got some new guys. We have to see where they're going to fit in with the uh, with the guys that we have. We're going to get them up to the pace of the game. Make sure they get you know used to it before we get into our first couple of games, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Coach, we've been talking about um, how you've lost uh, so many people over this offseason, uh, specific- specifically your second line of uh, Garrett Sunda and um, people like um, excuse me. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, Garrett Sunda, you've got Danny Blue, Danny Blue. I mean, you've, I mean, Addison you, Oliver, Addison I mean, Oliver. There, there were, yeah, there were, yeah. there were, I mean, it is your only second line, but what it's like to replace that with Garrett Sunda being one of your team captains this past year? Well, I mean, I'm not necessarily. I mean, you got you got to figure that line 
although they went out second, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily worried about getting new guys in and, and filling that spot with them. There's plenty of guys that were on the team last year that would be able to probably skate with Danny um, and Phil Garrett and Dan, uh, Danny Blue shoes. Uh, and it just, you know, opens up some other doors. Um, you know, leadership, when you lose a captain, uh, leadership is always in question. Um, but, you know, we do have Danny Fredenberg coming back. We do have Sam. Um, they've been around the team for a little while. Uh, they know kind of the way I work. They know the way the team's been going. They know the direction they want to go. So I think we're in pretty good hands um, getting started this year with that. Looking up and down the schedule, this is one of the tougher campaigns for NC State hockey, at least in my recent memory in my time here, where you're going to have to tackle the Liberty Flames. You've got Virginia Tech twice, Georgetown and George Washington in ACC play, not to mention going to play former ACC foe, the Maryland Terrapins, before they moved up into the MACH. What is that schedule like, and what does it mean, especially as you endeavor to get a little bit higher in the rankings this year? Well, you know, that that's exactly it. We we looked at uh, teams that were available. You know, we have our ACC uh, opponents that we play, and we have the guys that teams like Wilmington that we traditionally play. Um, and, yeah, we we have done pretty well in the rankings in the past, and, and we have been getting better with it. But if you, if you want to progress on that track, then you do have to play some of the stronger teams. Um, and, you know, that is a little bit of travel involved. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, all, all the teams that we're playing that we're traveling to are all good teams. Um, we haven't seen Maryland in a while. We haven't seen Liberty in a while. Uh, we played Louisville like two years ago. They're in that Liberty tournament. So, you know, I looked at it, and I think we have a pretty strong nucleus of guys coming back. And I know that they're on a path to just not necessarily start over from what we did last year, but just continue it. Um, how that works out was remains to be seen, but at least the mindset of it is, we, you know, we kind of want to keep the, the train rolling down the track. And again, in order to get uh, get some rankings, you got to play some of the, the better quality teams, and, and so that's what we went after. Well, the other thing is, to ask that very pointed question, is this the year, again, where all the pieces are in place, not only for a tremendous regular season, but an Admiral's Cup as well? Because certainly there's got to be a little bit of a disheartening nature surrounding the fact that there are so many regular season title trophies sitting in the trophy case and still only that lonely Admiral's Cup from 2011. Is this the year, is this the team that has the chance to bring back that Admiral's Cup? You know, I mean, my, my question, my answer to that question at the beginning of every season is always going to be, we hope so. Um, you know, we'll, we'll know in February. Um, but the bottom line is, um, that that's the goal. The goal, it's two goals in my opinion. The goal is to win the season, and the goal is to win the championship. And, you know, we just, in order to win the season, you you got to go out and, and win your games. And in order to win the championship, quite frankly, um it's a one-season weekend, and you've got to be able to just take care of business in, in that one weekend. So it's not like, you know, the best two out of three or anything like that. It's just um, you go out, you play a full season, then you go and you play a one-weekend season. And uh, do I think we have the ability to do it? I do. Um, is that how it's going to pan out? Uh, I don't know, but I do know that that's not only my goal, but the goal of the guys especially the guys that are coming back. 
and we're going to do everything we can to make it happen. NC State Hockey drops the puck on a brand-new season September 30th at the Duke Blue Devils in Hillsborough. Their first home game is October 7th as part of the Stephen Russell Memorial Tournament against the College of New Jersey. Coach, thank you so much for being with us. We are looking forward to covering the team as we head down yet another excellent NC State Hockey season. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. A lot more analysis, a lot more interviews to come right here on The Howler. You're listening to episode number one of season two of The Howler. Welcome back to The Howler. We will head back into the club sports realm. Now we have Jeff Summer, the head coach of NC State Women's Rugby. Coach, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, thanks for having me. I think the first question would be to open things up. Can you educate us a little bit about rugby and its popularity? I mean, we're coming off of an Olympic year, a competitive Olympic year in women's rugby. What is the appeal to having this sport in the American South, whereas it's typically relegated to Europe? Well, I think um, rugby is actually pretty much a world sport now. It might be maybe this one of the most second, second other, other than soccer, the second most sport played. Um, and I guess it's a Commonwealth sport. And it has traditions in America. Uh, I guess American football is a spinoff of rugby and changing some of the rules. And actually, in the college setting, rugby's been pretty much present for probably 100 years and gained more popularity probably 60s and 70s. So it's pretty you know, big in the college club setting anyway. And what is it that makes it so big in the college setting? What's the appeal and draw to the sport of rugby? Um, well, it's, there's, there's a camaraderie aspect to it. Uh, and, you know, it's a good team sport. It's a club sport where everybody's active in it. And the players are pretty active participants. It's fun to play because it's more uh, uh, at, uh, um, player-centric instead of coach-centric. You're out on the field. You're playing. You have to problem-solve and do all that on the fly in the middle of the game. And that's, that's pretty popular. Plus, every, everybody gets to run the ball. Everybody gets to tackle people. A lot of people get to kick the ball. Uh, so it, it's fun like that. And I think one thing is you don't have to be huge to play rugby. Sometimes that helps, sometimes it doesn't. So the, there's a lot of different positions. So depending on what you're best at, there's probably a spot on the field that you can play as long as you're willing to play. Coach, I'm looking at your schedule for this upcoming season, and I see some intriguing matchups against uh, South Carolina, UNC, the Naval Academy, and Virginia Tech. Hugh, go uh, go look at the schedule for me and see what. Uh -huh. uh, tell me what are some good matchups this season uh, to look out for. Okay, well, I think we're a Division One school, NC State Women's Rugby Club. Um, so we're the top tier. There's another tier. It's called D1 Elite, and that's more where you're getting into varsity and scholarships and a lot of money getting pumped into the program. There's maybe only 10 programs like that. So we're just under that. Um, and I think we might have one of the hardest schedules on the Eastern Seaboard. So uh, University of South Carolina, I, I'm not, we, I haven't played against them. So um, I think they're a Division II school. I'm not sure. Uh, so that'll be interesting. And plus, it, it's a friendly so that means we'll get uh, we have a lot of rookies and everybody will get some game time and we'll see what everybody's how everyone does. So that, that's exciting. Um, then uh, with App State is always tough. 
They have a good, strong program, pretty solid. UNC, we play there. And, uh, well, they're probably our main rivalry, right? Because <laughs> NC State doesn't want to lose to that. They don't want to lose us. They're very, you know, great team, good coach, good players, real nice people and stuff, but we don't want to go down like that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, uh, and we're playing the Naval Academy, which will be interesting. Um, I don't know much about them, uh, but I'm going to guess they're going to be very fit and ready to go, and they might bring a bunch of numbers. They're, they looked us up, wanted to get us on the schedule, so that'll be good. Then we play Virginia Tech, and they're a very good school. They're in our conference. UNC is in our conference, but we're playing them as a friendly. So we have two conference games this fall, Virginia Tech and University of Virginia, UVA. Virginia Tech's a good, strong team. They're probably a top-20 team. We always have a good go with them, uh, well-coached. Uh, Virginia, we're playing them uh, as a matrix match or a conference match. Uh, they placed number two in the country last year. Uh, they lost a, a last-second scoring drive by UC Davis. And so they're a tough team, well-coached, uh, very physical, can tackle. So it'll be fun. <laughs> and coach, right there before Halloween, you've also got listed Rocktoberfest. A little uh, pun going off of the Oktoberfest, of course. Can you explain what that right. is? Okay, so Rocktoberfest is a tournament, and it's uh, hosted by Appalachian State. And that's um, so that's the you play. We'll probably play four condensed games. There'll be a bracket, and we'll play in a division, however that is. And uh, it's a good chance for everybody to get a lot of rugby in. And we'll play probably four games to five games at 25-minute halves, where a normal game would be 40-minute halves. So everybody gets game time. Everybody gets experience. It's a good team-building activity, uh, and uh, everybody gets a lot of rugby. And there'll be a lot of teams, so you get to meet people and uh, you know talk rugby with people from all over the country. So it's really nice. That first friendly coming up here on September 10th. So quickly approaching, how excited are you to get back out there and start uh, coaching a little more rugby? Uh, really excited. I have to say, um, I so this year we had some injuries, so we have a lot of slots to fill. And I could not be more excited about the rookie class that is coming in this fall. Amazing turnout, and so far maybe the best group of a whole group of athletes coming in, um, I think might have uh, helped that was being an Olympic sport. I think a lot of people took interest in it, especially the women's rugby in the Olympics was very exciting. Our women, the USA women, probably could have got a medal if they were in a little uh, nicer or friendly of a bracket. Uh, they tied with the gold medal team, and they only lost by five points to the silver medal team. So, and I talked to the rookies and asked them how many watched it in the Olympics, and a lot of them raised their hands. So I think that has helped. And uh, they look very, very athletic rookie class, and they're going to be thrown in the fire. So it'll be great. Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the Haller. Certainly looking forward to another good season of NC State Women's Rugby. Thanks for being with us. 
Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. More coaches coming on the way here on the Howler. Thanks so much to Coach Summer of NC State Women's Rugby. And next up on the Howler, we have Brian Ketchum, the head coach of NC State's men's rugby team. This is a rugby sevens team that has enjoyed a lot of success. They've been very, very good, especially in-state. Coach, what is the upcoming campaign looking like for you? Well, we're into uh, just got into the season a couple weeks, and uh, we have our first scrimmage this weekend down in Coastal Carolina. We get into our new conference season September 10th at ODU. This is actually our 15th season. We uh, finished up sevens the end of last season. We Sevens we play in the spring. But uh, this is our 15th season starting now. So we're excited. We've got good numbers. Had 60 guys out pretty consistently at practice. Uh, a lot of returning guys, guys with experience, and some new ones to fill some voids. So we're excited. Can you explain what it's like to play a predominantly European sport and try to draw a collegiate American audience? Well, a lot of it really just has to do with uh, just initial exposure. People just rugby's not in your face. You don't you don't hear about it or see it. If you get a chance to experience it, there's really no sales necessary. I mean, it's it's a great game and guys that like physicality and athleticism fall in love with it. So, I mean, it's it's really a matter of just getting the word out. The new pro rugby league has helped with that. Uh, the return to the Olympics has helped with that. So, you know, I think we get in front of them and the kids just fall in love with it. Hey, Coach, my name is Nick Sinopoli. I'm alongside here with uh, Drew. Um, sp- speaking of the Olympics, did you um, during the summer did you uh, recommend your players to maybe just catch a glimpse of what's it like uh, for Olympic rugby and kind of prepare for the season and uh, look at some strategies that way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we do film study during the season. I always encourage they watch other countries, uh, athletes and tactics, game strategies, uh, something like the Olympics, of course, I'm going to recommend to watch. You know, you got uh, some of the best athletes in the world because sevens is the fastest, most athletic ones off of the rugby team generally. So you've got the the prime of the prime. So I, I absolutely encourage them to watch a lot of Olympic rugby. It was great stuff. What's it like playing against rival schools at the club sport realm? Obviously, North Carolina, Duke, Wake Forest, but largely you're staying in the region and getting to see a lot of rivals from NC State. Does that still carry over down into the rugby realm? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they're still NC State students, and you know we've had a pretty strong team for a long time. There's uh, in the last few years, especially uh, Carolina, Duke, Wake Forest. Those guys have been. Uh, a little behind us and it's been kind of nice and the, but the guys get fired up to go and and put a whooping on them just like as if it was an athletic uh, program sport I mean it's it's still a rivalry all the way to the bottom and the, and the rugby guys feed into that big time looking up and down the schedule who's the most difficult opponent you're going to have to face this season well it's, it's hard to say because we just changed conferences the ACRL which was the rugby version of the ACC just Broke up last season due to, you know, just the extensive travel. Most of these are club sports. So uh, we went to the Cardinal Conference, which is new, and we've got a lot of new rivals in the area, James Madison, VCU, Virginia Military Institute, some of the common faces of the ACRL, but also some new ones. So we don't know. We're prepared to go in with uh, open eyes and beat whoever comes in front of us, but we don't know them that well. So it's an exciting season. Well, that's good to hear, Coach. Now, good to be totally honest, uh, over here at the Howler, I don't know a lot about rugby, so could you kind of go through and tell me like what how the season progresses and um, if there's any postseason play and how that uh, plays out? Yeah, it, it works pretty much like any other season, like football season, for example. We have a conference that we're in that we travel. We have home and away games, and uh, the, your conference, 
your conference record sets your ranking. And if your conference is big enough and the one we're in is, it qualifies you for regional and then national playoff play. So, yeah, there is postseason. But two years ago, they started a bowl series also, and we've had two bowl games in a row. So uh, it's it's an evolving sport, and the postseason stuff is getting better and better every year. So hopefully we'll be in it this year. And when you're trying to draw an attendance and a crowd, what's the appeal of rugby compared to other sports? <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, it's – People come out, it's hard. It's harder for a spectator because they come out on Saturday and we've spent all week teaching rugby. So when they get out there to watch, there's not a whole lot of teaching going on and they feel like they're in the dark a little. So it's harder for spectators to come out and grasp what's what's going on. So sometimes we'll try to put an alumni or a guy who's maybe out with an injury or something over near some new fans to try to get them some knowledge to spread the word. But we get people to come out a lot, but they just it's hard for them to buy in, not understanding the game. So... And final question for you, Coach. How excited are you to be back out on the rugby field? Oh, man, I mean, I started playing 33 years ago, and I still get excited when the season starts and my heart gets beaten and I get excited for all the kids I'm going to meet and all the fun stuff we're going to do together and the things I'm going to be able to show them. And, you know, uh, I, I get fired up every season, and, you know, this, this, is, this one is no exception. So, Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us here on The Howler. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. No problem. Thanks for calling. More coaches on the way for this preview show of the Howler production of Pack TV. Up next on the Howler, we have Ben Simmons, returning guest, NC State men's club basketball. Ben, thanks so much for being here yeah. with us again. Thanks for letting me be here once again. <laughs> <laughs> Undoubtedly, Ben has been the guest who has appeared the most on the Howler, so thank you so much, of course. But let's go ahead and get right into the conversation. Club basketball season, a little bit of a distance away here, but still considered mm -hmm. one of those fall-winter sports. Tryouts coming up here quickly. A lot of guys have left. Tucker Thompson now to the varsity team. What's it like having to construct pretty much a new team from scratch? Uh, yeah, last year was incredible. My team went 25-6. and six. Uh, We're going to see how tryouts go. Hopefully not sure about one or two teams yet, but I think I'm going to take the players from last year, some of those guys from the B team, move them over to the A team. Uh, right now it's me returning from my team, Theo Matt Guard. Uh, Patrick Donville had an ACL surgery, so he's, he won't be back till February. Uh, Chase Cannon will be playing with us from the uh, regular varsity team last year, so just got to see how tryouts go. Had about 65 people sign up at RecFest, and I probably expect about 80, 100 people out there. Is there a chance that there's going to be another two teams fielded, or do we see it constrict to one? I've been thinking about that every day. Uh, probably just one right now, maybe two, but we'll see. I'll see the talent-wise at tryouts. So we, uh, Drew talked about Tucker Thompson moving up and uh, mm -hmm. trying out for varsity this year. What's it like to see the opposite end of the spectrum, see Chase Cannon, a graduate student, yeah. coming down to the club basketball team? What's that like? Uh, well, I like it. <laughs> another, <laughs> another good shooter. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I reached out to Chase, and Chase was kind of – on the edge about, and I, hopefully I convinced him enough to come over with us. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Chase is a great player. Get a, a former walk-on to come. It's going to be awesome. So, and uh, best of luck, Tucker. It's bittersweet. Hate to see him go. Uh, pretty much won us every game. And then, um, yeah, he, he's going to do good things on the varsity team too. So glad for him to see someone move up from the club team. We've talked about this before, but can you explain what it's like to play club basketball mm -hmm. in the shadow of what's been a legendary varsity program? Because that's something basketball has a challenge with that hockey or rugby wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty good. Um, when we go to tournaments, people know that state for the most part is going to be pretty good. So they know we're going to put some players out for the most part in club. It, it's definitely hard. State's been pretty successful, too, under Mark Gottfried the past five years, and especially this year with all the good recruits and talent coming in. Uh, yeah, no, but uh, hopefully I like to get some of those guys who haven't made the team as a uh, not a preferred walk-on trying out 
to make the cut. So, yeah, it's definitely good, really good basketball. Looking up and down the schedule, and there are still some pieces to be said mm. for sure tournament-wise, where is it the most difficult to go, and who's it the most difficult to play against in the conference? In the conference. Well, technically, we, we might. I might do the NCBBA again. Uh, South Carolina's kind of hard, about four-and-a-half-hour drive to Columbia. Uh, if we do this league, Georgia will be in our conference. Really hoping not to go to Georgia. Not Athens is a great place, but just on it. That's a long way to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was that like six hours there? Uh, probably nationals at Ohio State's about eight hour drive. So uh, th- that would be the longest by far. See, uh, I-, I do some club sports as well. I'm doing okay. club swimming and club awesome. water polo. And you're talking about driving to Ohio State yeah. for eight hours. The farthest I've gone with club water polo is uh, up to Maryland. Oh, wow. So what is that like? Uh, traveling with the team the camaraderie you build uh going mm-hmm. to ohio state or big places like that uh, it's good we've a lot of us now have been together even though we're losing some guys i've known some of these guys i mean i'm a super senior some of these guys <laughs> they're super seniors too uh yeah it's good really good tem- chemistry bonding it's it's a great time and uh, i i expect us to be a good close unit again this year so you're a super senior. Yep. Growth and development. Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> what What is the growth and development of this club basketball team that you've seen now over quite a large expanse of time? Well, this will be my third year being president, fifth year on the team. Oh, God, it's been a while. Um, well, when I came in, I wanted to make it a JV team. That didn't work out. But I think last year, honestly, was the best club team has ever been. I put a lot of work into it. I care a lot about the program because there's still a lot of good kids who want to play. Uh, just try to leave it better than it was, and I really think I've done that too, especially last year, 25-6, and six, uh, saying that again. And we've had some great players come through, and then I was so happy to see Tucker get moved up. I think that helped us a lot with our program, seeing that we still have a lot of good players that can move up to varsity. What does it take to build such a successful club sport? Uh, recruiting, going to Carmichael, watching them play, seeing the good talent. And, and I think being a, a laid-back person too as a coach, I mean, this will be my third year doing this, and not get upset during games. Just be a pretty uh, under control, nice guy. And I think that rubs off on a lot of players good, and they'll want to play with you. Because I mean, we're we're playing competitive games, but it's not like you know an ACC game, so stuff like that. It, it's early in the school year, but uh, us three, we like to talk about the sports. Yeah. So let's just touch a little bit on. Okay. What do you think about this uh, basketball team this year? I'm not not the club basketball team, the but the varsity team. What about the recruits coming in? Love it. Love Absolutely it. love it. Shout out to Coach Gottfried and Coach Early. Dennis Smith Jr., that, that guy's going to be a problem. Right now, Mock Drassi's uh, rated number one, so we'll see. And then Yurtsevin, that was great. That was beautiful. Uh, that was so great. Just finally getting that seven-footer over 6'9". Markel Johnson's good. I mean, he, he might only play 10 minutes a game, but ooh, he at 6'1", he can go down the lane and throw it down on you, too. He's got a good jump shot. Uh, God, who else they brought? Darius Hicks is really athletic. Uh, I think he'll get about five, ten minutes a game, but he can come in there kind of like some energy. You know who he kind of reminds me of? C.J. Leslie. See that? Mm-hmm. I, and I hope he, I hope he grows the hair out too. I love, I love yeah. that hair. If I, if I see him like, and he's got to wear number five, kind of like Leslie. And then Ted, uh, <laughs> no, really, it, that would look awesome. I, I love that. And then uh, Ted uh, Capita, Capita, however, he's, is it Capita? Or I think Cap- it is Capita. Capita. Mm-hmm. That guy looks to be pretty good too. So a, a lot of good things. He, and he shot eighty three percent from the line. So. I don't know how we did that. We got someone, a well, big man who can shoot foul shots. Well, and yeah. here's, the, here's the crazy thing. I recall an episode of this show back in March where we 
ripped the varsity <laughs> basketball team for, for a total lack of success. We did. And here we're standing almost at the opposite spectrum. And granted, there there hasn't even been a second of basketball played yet. Mm-hmm. But on paper, this is easily one of the top 25 teams in the country, if not one of the top 10. Yeah, I was about to say top 10 for sure. I, I think top 10. You, you got No, you got to look at depth. They got, well, Lenard's redshirting, but they, they got, what, 11 players? Torin Dorn's playing. Terry Henderson's healthy. You got death at the big man. The go- no, the state's going to be good. I, and you know, the state fan expectations are out the door. Mm-hmm. But I really do think this team is going to be really good. I think they're going to make a lot of noise. And people laugh at me, but I really think they can go to the Final Four. And finally, our last question before we let you go here: Club basketball mm-hmm. or varsity basketball? Who has the better winning percentage this season? Oh God, that's a tough one. Uh, Gosh, that, that's hard because I just don't know my <laughs> team yet. <laughs> Uh, you said you went twenty-five and six last season. Yeah, but we, we lost. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, come on, you lost. Tanner and Tucker. There's a dynasty um, building here. I can feel it. God, I'd love to see state varsity team win a national championship. So I'm going to go varsity team. All right, yeah, I, and that's hard. Go. A lot of club teams lost a lot of players, so I still think we'll be pretty good. But I, God, not my life would be complete. But a state won a national championship <laughs> basketball, that would just make me so happy for so long. You know, my dad has been alive <laughs> yeah. for both. And I have not seen one yet. I've only heard the it's history. Coming. It, it it's would be something. Positive. It's coming. Coach it, Scott it would be, doing be something good on the way. Yeah. Well, Ben, that is all the time we have for you. But you. once again, it is so much fun to have yeah. you in the studio, and I'm Love sure we here. will see you back. Thank you all. All right. Next up, more interviews on this preview show of the Howler. Next up on the Howler, we go back to the varsity level sports. NCAA volleyball coach Linda Hampton Keith joins us now on the Howler. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you for having me. Volleyball, one of those sports at NC State trying to get back on the rise. There has been success. And perhaps the biggest storyline of this year is getting back into a true home venue at Reynolds Coliseum. Coach, what's that like for you? Uh, surely it's exciting. Um, I think uh, there's lots of great things going on here um, as a whole for the athletic department here. Uh, so to be a part of that is just an honor. And then to move into a facility like Reynolds, uh, there's, it's just the state-of-the-art building um, sitting in my brand-new office right now, and it's, it's pretty amazing. And so we're very fortunate uh, and very uh, lucky to be here in this kind of a building to have this much support uh, poured into the program Uh, and we are uh, excited to get started and moving this program in the right direction. And you have a very diverse background in volleyball. Of course, your accomplishments are listed on GoPack.com. But talk about what it's like to come from Arizona State, being way out on the West Coast and coming here to Raleigh. Uh, Well, it's a good move. Um, Family is closer uh, on the East Coast here, so that was uh, appealing um, but I think most importantly, uh, the area that we were looking to move to being Raleigh, which was, we were really excited about, uh, I've got a family, I've got a little one and I'm, you know, and as I was looking at jobs and, and researching Raleigh, uh, I never heard anyone say anything bad about raising a family here and everyone just, you know, if you, you wanted to raise a family, uh, Raleigh, this area, the triangle area was the place you wanted to be. And so that made it a really easy decision. Uh, when that came time to make a decision. And you have a team this year that you're trying to build back up. Building a program is something you constantly hear in college sports. That can be difficult to do in volleyball in the ACC with Florida State, North Carolina, and Louisville all being ranked in the top 25. Can you explain what it's like to play volleyball in the ACC? Sure. Um, I think obviously we've seen a shift uh, in the last couple of years with the Power Five conferences and athletics in general. Uh, and we, and that touches us as well here in volleyball. 
I think, you know, the, the investment that, that schools are making into the, all of their programs, uh, all the Olympic sports uh, is just phenomenal. And so you're seeing the level rise. Uh, you're seeing the volleyball level rise in all of the conferences. And so being in the ACC is, is, it's just the same. It's the, the rise is there. It's happening. Um, uh, there's 15 schools at the big conference for, for volleyball. Uh, and all of those schools uh, are formidable opponents. Well, certainly formidable opponents here in the ACC, but even to continue with that shift, it, volleyball has typically been a Big 12 and Big 10 sport with teams like Michigan and Penn State and Texas leading the way in volleyball. What's it like to now have to play in the ACC as they continue to try as a conference to build up further? Sure, sure. Well, again, one of the things we're looking at coming from the Pac-12, which is an, a premier volleyball conference in and of itself, uh, coming to the ACC, I knew that, uh, again, the shift was happening and, and that the ACC was this up-and-coming volleyball conference. And so uh, it was. it's nice to be able to bring the experience of coaching in a conference like the Pac-12 uh, here uh, because we understand the preparation that it takes to uh, play each opponent and, and how good you have to be night in and night out over and over and over again to, to make movement in conferences like that. And so... Yes, the, the ACC is on the rise for sure, uh, and we are hoping to rise with it as well. Were you instructing any of your players in the summer during the Olympics to watch teams like the United States, both on the men's and women's side, to watch Olympic volleyball to see what it's like to play at that highest level? Sure. Well, we always talk about um, exposing yourself to watching. Uh, we watch some sort of film, and you know, it's part of our practice, and so... Uh, we had already been doing that even before the Olympics. Uh, you know, we, we show a high level volleyball in our gym every day so that they know what to aspire to. So the Olympics was just kind of a part of the process that was already happening in our gym. And so, uh, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about the, the actual Olympics because again, we'd already been, we'd already been doing that. We'd already been watching them, uh, and trying to emulate, uh, the level in our gym. And quickly narrowing the focus back down to the NC State level, as you look up and down on the schedule, who are you most excited to be able to play this season? Uh, sure, I think, you know, uh, one thing that I picked up on real quick when I got here was the rivalries and the the, uh, the absolute um, depth of the rivalries here in the Triangle. So playing Duke in North Carolina is, uh, just has a little bit of a different meaning uh, than anyone else on the schedule. And so, of course, we're excited to play those matches, um, uh, first and foremost. Uh, but I think at, at this level, again, every ACC school has become the, its own exciting rivalry. And as people are vying for position and, you know, wins and losses make a big difference in, in finish and how you finish and obviously wanting to try to get as many teams into the NCAA tournament as possible, uh, each match matters tremendously. And so, you know, starting with Duke, and North Carolina, and then kind of branching out to the rest of the ACC, you know, we're excited about all of those matches. Um, I think all of the, the matches leading up to ACC play are all in preparation for. And so while, of course, we're excited to play each and every single match, uh, our vision is down the line for conference. And so each match uh, that we're playing up to that point is all within preparation for that. Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the Hallard. You've just been given an excellent volleyball preview for what's coming up. NC State Volleyball back to Reynolds Coliseum very, very soon. Coach, thank you so much.
Thank you for having me. We'll be right back with more coaches on our fall preview on The Howler. Welcome back to The Howler as we continue our fall sports preview. Up next on the show, we have Tim Santoro, head coach of NC State Women's Soccer. Coach, thanks for being with us. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. This is an exciting season for NC State Women's Soccer, already underway at a record of 2-2-1 and one through five games. What have you seen so far? Yeah, it's been a been an interesting start for us and, and we are very excited with a, with a young team this year for sure what's it like to um uh, i know you guys just played um you played yesterday actually on sunday uh, mm-hmm. coming with a four to one win to navy how, how is that a, a good confidence booster for your team well navy is perennially a, a very good program um you know they they're off to a rough start but they've also played a really tough schedule just lost to number four stanford and tied wilmington unc wilmington uh, on friday who's also a receiving votes in the top 25 polls. So they played a tough schedule. So to beat them four to one and, and as comfortably as we did and doing so with a, such a young team, um, you know, it's very encouraging. And we've been very good in three of our four games so far and um, probably should be three and one. Uh, so considering how young we are, um, the outlook so far is pretty good. Well, and Coach, there is a little bit of a ways to go before you get to the ACC season, some matches in between there. But can you explain just how difficult it is to compete in women's soccer in the ACC where you've got teams like North Carolina, Notre Dame, Duke, Florida State, Virginia, and Clemson all ranked with a few other teams receiving votes? I mean, undoubtedly, it would seem this is the toughest conference in all of women's soccer. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's 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 definitely the toughest conference in our sport, and arguably it's as tough as any any conference, any gender, any sport. I mean, we've had uh, eight or nine teams, different teams, in the last ten years make the Final Four. We have multiple teams in, um, I think, six consecutive Final Fours. We've had three and a couple Final Fours. We have, um, you know, anywhere from eight to ten teams making the NCAA tournament and getting to the Sweet Sixteen every year. So, I mean, it's it just it's it's a gauntlet and. Um, you know, it's fun to play and it's fun to compete in, but on the flip side, it makes it really tough to, you know, to compete um, when you're trying to rebuild a program and we recruit so far in advance. Um, you know, it just takes time. It takes patience and time, And um, but we like where we are and uh, we're super excited to get into the rest of these non-conference games and by the time ACC starts, I think this young team will be ready to go. Undoubtedly, just being the fact that you are the head coach of NC State, you automatically gear up for rivalry games against North Carolina, Duke, and and even Wake Forest Mm -hmm. to an extent, Mm -hmm. but how much more do you get geared up considering you see the numbers beside of those schools' names, Wake Forest receiving votes right now, North Carolina at number nine, Duke at number two, how much more do you get geared and amped up for those rivalry games? Yeah, I mean they're they're big games, uh, like you said, and then when you add in the fact that these teams are are good and they're ranked and they're <laughs> um, it definitely enhances it. Um, but you know, I I think the players and myself we wouldn't we wouldn't take it any other way. It's what makes this conference uh, the best to be in, and uh, um, you know, for us, it's, we're just excited to. To, to compete in it, and I know that's why a lot of the young players that we have play on the field right now, the reason they chose to come here is they wanted to help rebuild a program, but yet at the same time play um, at the highest level. So uh, we'll be ready. We have about three and a half weeks and five games, four or five games, until we open up with uh, Carolina on September 16th, but we'll be ready to go when that time comes. Coach, you are, we're talking about your roster earlier, saying that it is a very young team, and I'm looking at it right now, and uh, you are correct. There are a lot of freshmen and sophomores on your team. Um, 
point out a couple of names to us, um, some new incoming names. You've got a couple of freshmen that uh, you like what you see so far, maybe to uh, build, uh, build and regroup that team you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been starting nine freshmen and sophomores uh, in these first few games, so we're, we're super young. Um, in terms of the freshmen, uh, Sierra King and Kia Rankin and uh, Ricky Walkling have, have been very good offensively. Uh, we have Christina Schuster, a defender, uh, another freshman from Germany, um, who's been very good on our back line. So pretty much the entire freshman class has had an impact, even the ones with a few kids that haven't started, but come off the bench and are key players for it off the bench. So um, this is the class we recruited. Uh, when we first arrived, our recruiting is about two, three years in advance in women's soccer. So you know, these are the kids we started recruiting when we arrived uh, a few years ago. So these freshmen and sophomores is kind of what we started building the roster around. And they're finally here. They're finally playing together. Uh, there's some good things going on so far. But um, we're young, and uh, we still have the ups and downs and of you know, each day, each week, just getting consistency. But that's part of a young team. But again, uh, we like where we are so far, and I think over the next two, three weeks, we'll be in a good spot heading into Carolina. And finally, Coach, I mean, you talked about it. You've been here. This is the class that you recruited. You got here actually about the same time I got here to NC State. After mm-hmm. these years you've seen, the growth and development of this team, what does it mean to you to be the head coach of NC State soccer, and what does it mean to keep growing and building this program to being eventually one of those competitors in the ACC? Oh, well, it's, it's the reason I took the job. I think everything is here. I think NC State has everything. We're a great city. We're a great school. Uh, we have great support from uh, Debbie Al and our department. And, uh, uh, all the pieces are here to, to, to build a successful program, and uh, we feel we're doing that with some good recruiting. And uh, Again, as long as we have the patience and we take the time to do it the right way and not deviate from the process that we've set, um, there's no, no place I know I'd rather be, and I know a lot of the girls are loving it here as well. Well, you have just heard from Tim Santoro, the head coach of NC State's women's soccer team. They're in the midst of their season right now as they continue to roll on. Don't forget to go check them out at the Dale Soccer Park. Coach, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. The Howler rolls on. More interviews coming up next. Welcome back to The Howler. We have NC State men's soccer coach Kelly Finley on the line with us now. Coach, thanks so much for being with us. No problem. Great to be here. Well, this was a NC State Wolfpack team last year that enjoyed some success, and that's including in the conference, did not make the NCAA tournament, arguably one of the biggest snubs looking at the accomplishments on the field. What does this year's team bring to the table looking to build off of last year's success? Well, I I think uh, you said it well, a little bit of uh, bitter taste in our mouth to not get in. I think um, it came down to three teams for two spots, and I think we had uh, several of the teams that got in in front of us on on every metric that the the uh, group uses to select teams. Uh, so I, I think that's one thing is just you know we we have that bitter taste of not getting there. We have that experience. We have the know how. And last year we had quite a few new guys playing that now have been through that process. So um, along with quality of returning guys, added some new experience in. Um, all those things I think are going to help us put us in a position to make the tournament. Well, this was a team that did go 7-2 and two in the non-conference last year. Only had one win but three draws in ACC play. You've got an ACC match coming up on Friday, September 2nd, and it's a doozy at North Carolina. What's it like playing soccer in arguably the most difficult soccer conference in America? 
Well, it's about as close to a professional soccer environment as you can get to. And, you know, if you look across the board, I think in, in any league anywhere in the world, those teams in professional soccer are usually 500 because the games are so hard. And that's what you see in ours. Even, even teams that are ranked in the top three and four in the country are usually, you know, three, three and two or something in our league. And um, it is tough. I mean, you have to show up every single day. And it's not just in our league. I mean, everybody's good now. You know, I think back in the day, you'd play a team that wasn't fully funded or maybe the coaching wasn't great or didn't have good facilities. But, you know, now every team's good. I think coaching's gone up. There's better players. Uh, you know, the world's gotten smaller with technology. So there's uh, foreign players on every team. And then our league, like you said, is, is our league. So knowing that you're always bookended uh, with a really, really good team on each weekend, you know, you have to recover, prepare, and be mentally strong regardless how the results go. So, Coach, it is still early in the season, but did you, but you did come away with your first win this past Sunday against James Madison by a score of 3-2. to two. Uh, what, what did you like from your team in Sunday's match? Well, I think there's a couple of things from that. Uh, one, you know, we got scored on first, which I thought we really managed that well, uh, responded, and that's important. You know, you can't, you can't really react in scenarios. You have to respond, and I thought we did a good job of that. Uh, went into the half, uh, up a goal, and then came out and was really pleased that we scored a goal within five minutes of the half starting. And, um, you know, overall, we worked incredibly hard. Uh, it was a tough game because you're playing away. They had three to four and sometimes five guys that were over six foot three playing on the field and just very direct, long throw-ins, you know, chasing the game. So we showed a lot of character, a lot of discipline, uh, and a lot of team chemistry with how hard we worked. And then we had some great quality moments too. I tell you what, some of the passing and some of the performances from the guys were fantastic. And, you know, we should have scored maybe a couple more goals and made it easy on ourselves, but getting results like that really help you as you get into league play and deeper in the season. Coach, we've been asking all the Olympic coaches in this episode, were you instructing your players to watch Olympic soccer? I mean, it was a doozy of a championship match at the Metacana in Brazil. It was. I mean, you know, this summer was a great summer for soccer. I mean, you have uh, the Copa, you had the Euro, you had the Olympics, obviously you have the MLS going on, so... I mean, I think there was a day where I, I might have watched four games in a row. I won't tell my family that, but, um, you know, it, just, it was like all day long. Euros for two. So, yeah, I mean, I think you don't have to tell our guys to watch. They're always uh, watching. They're soccer junkies. They love the game. And nowadays there's so much on TV, you know, you can kind of pick and choose what you want to watch, which is great. Is there any pinpoint key to success this season, any one building block that has to be there for NC State to be right there in the thick of things? Well, I think, you know, soccer is a game of transitions. And I think whether you're, you know, you've given it away and you're trying to win it back uh, or whether you've, uh, they have it and you're trying to get it back from them or vice versa, those moments are the most important. So if we can get those pieces right, and then just be tough in defense. I mean, I think our team, we had great possession rates last year. And now just balancing out whether we, we go forward at the right time and hit our opponent when they're vulnerable on the counterattack or, you know, balance out possession, um, those are key things in any time you play, but transition is the big one. You know, are we better at regaining it once we've given it away? And are we better at keeping it once we win it back? And those are the moments that we've been training. Our guys are getting much, much sharper, and I'm looking forward to the season. Well, we will look for the transition as we look for NC State to continue to build on the soccer success from last year. That's head coach Kelly Finley. Coach, thank you so much for being with us on the Howler. Thanks a lot. Thanks for your time. 
Absolutely. We'll be right back with more analysis coming up right here on The Howler. And on The Howler, joining us for the first time, we have head coach of the NC State football team, Dave Doran. Coach, thank you so much for being with us. Absolutely. Honor, honor to have you on the show. And, of course, you have a sample size that we can pull from, unlike some of the other sports that we've talked about previously, having beaten William & Mary this past week. What were your general overall impressions of the way that game went? Certainly a sizable victory for you and your squad. Yeah, yeah I thought uh, a lot of guys were able to get in the game and play well. Uh, a lot of players touched it on offense and our, our offensive line, I thought, uh, played as expected or better in some cases. You know, defensively, other than the opening drive, I thought we played pretty well. And uh, there's a lot of positive things, you know. There's always things that you got to do better, and, and that's kind of where our focus is right now. There's an obvious depth at the running back position, and it just keeps going, going on and on with guys like Matt Days and Dequay Nichols and Johnny Frazier as well. But the quarterback position had a little bit of controversy as to who was going to start after Jacoby Brissett left. Ryan Finley steps in, scores on his first two drives. Can you talk a little bit about his play and how he immediately filled that role of a quarterback for you? Well, Ryan had a good game. You know, I mean, he managed the team well, got the ball to his playmakers, he made good decisions, he, he got our tempo uh, the way we wanted it to be, and. Um, you know, I think both he and Jalen have had a good camp, and uh, it was a good competition, and you know, we're excited about both of them, and uh, hopefully have a chance to continue to, to get both of them reps in a game, but Ryan definitely proved, you know, uh, why we chose him, I guess you'd say, because of how we managed it, and look forward to watching him again this weekend. Now, Coach, this is Nick Sinopoli alongside Drew Blevins. Um, going off, piggybacking off of what Drew was saying about uh, McClendon and Finley, uh, going into ECU this Saturday, uh, do you look to uh, still put McClendon in the kind of running quarter, quarterback situation and running the option or any any kind of thing with that? Um, both of them have the ability to do that. It's just a matter of who's in the game when he calls it. And, of course, this would be considered a rivalry game for East Carolina. You remarked a couple of comments about the rivalry game. It's just another game for you guys going about business on the road for the first road game. Can you talk a little bit about the rivalry that does go on here? Because, after all, it is an in-state opponent. Well, I mean, you, you definitely want to win any game you play in-state. You know, I don't care who it is. Um, you're going to run into those fans and run into those um circles a lot more and you know it doesn't have an impact you know within your fan base it has an impact uh, within the high schools that you recruit in and so regardless of whether it's them or wake or unc or duke you know i mean those are games that matter on your schedule quite a bit and uh, but we also know that for us to beat any of those teams we've got to handle our business and i've always felt as a coach my job is to put the best team that I can on the field, and I have to focus on us more than the opponent to do that. And switching sides of the ball, we had discussed the offense, but now to talk a little bit about the defense, it seemed like the linebacking core specifically played a really good game against William & Mary. Arias Moore and Jared Fernandez were swarming. Can you talk a little bit about the way the defense played for you? Yeah, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of different guys that played for us, whether they were starters or, or guys that rotated last year that are back now that... Uh, are just playing fast, you know, they're communicating well, uh, a communicating defense is a good defense, and they know each other's thoughts before they speak sometimes, um, there's chemistry amongst them, and you know, they've been through tough times together, and shared adversity, in my opinion, is what creates the chemistry, so you have to go through those kind of times to build the character you want, and that happened to those guys last year. They had some great performances last year, they had some not so great, and, and so you learn from it in the off season and I know there's a big chip on their shoulder to play well, and other than a couple drives, I mean, they played extremely well, I thought, uh, in the game last weekend, only giving up 162 total yards and forcing two turnovers. 
What did you like from um, your, your leaders on the defensive side of the ball, like Jared Hernandez, Jack Tocho, and uh, Bradley Chubb? Well, I mean, I like the way they go about their business, first of all. They're serious. They work hard. They're the same guys every day. It's important to them. They demand the same from their teammates. Uh, but in the game in particular, you know, Jared had a, an interception when we needed one. You know, we had just turned the ball over, and two, two plays later he gets us a pick, you know. So I think that says a lot about what he knows and understands, you know, when there's adversity, true leadership shows up, and, and that was a big play for us in the game. You know, Bradley didn't make as many plays as we expected him to make, but Contavious did, and, you know, I think that's going to happen throughout the year. There's a lot of attention on Bradley, and so the guys on the other side of the line are going to have more one-on-ones. And, Coach, we've been asking all of our coaches at NC State that we've interviewed for this preview show about playing in the ACC. It's such a difficult conference to play in, and especially for you playing in the Atlantic Division where you've got a ranked Louisville, Florida State, and Clemson team that you will all have to play this season, and also the rivalry game against North Carolina, who's the preseason favorite in the Coastal Division as well. What's it like competing against the ACC elite and trying to hang right there with them as a prestigious program as NC State is. Yeah, well, every week you're playing against not just a good team, you're playing against really good coaching staff. And uh, so it's tremendous talent. You know, it's a, it's a great recruiting base. Um, there's a lot of talent, you know, not just in the, the ACC, but the SEC, the footprints that we have. And I just think that, you know, over the last three or four years, this league has gotten so competitive. And right now, um, both sides, you know, have some great teams in the Atlantic, you know, the way Florida State and Clemson are playing, you know, they're really representing what's going on in this conference, and our goal is to catch them. So, you know, every week we're trying to raise our ability and raise our level of play so that we're in a conversation someday like that. NC State will have Florida State at home, Clemson, and Louisville on the road this season, and North Carolina on the road to end the season on a Friday night. Coach Doran, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Best of luck on Saturday. Thanks for having me. Go Pack. That's head coach Dave Dorn of the NC State football team. We'll have more on the Howler next. Well, finally, we have come to the conclusion of our interviews here on the preview show of the Howler. Drew Blevins alongside of Nick Sinopoli. We're, we're all just having fun right here. And it's easy to have fun when the NC State football team is 1-0 going into what would be considered a rivalry game, certainly an in-state contest against the East Carolina Pirates. And that is what we are going to spend these final few minutes talking about as we head into week two of the NCAA football season. It's not an ACC game, but nonetheless, it's a big one, perhaps more so for East Carolina, a team that waxed the Western Carolina Catamounts 52-7. to Nick, were you impressed? I was pleasantly surprised with how NC State did last weekend. Uh, more so on the offensive side of the ball. I really didn't know what how Ryan Finley and Jalen McClendon were going to do. Uh, and Finley outperformed my expectations by an entire mile. Uh, I was a little tentative to seeing the uh, transfer coming in for NC State. I thought McClendon would have gotten the, the more, more snaps, and Finley was named the, the starter this past week. Uh, I, I like what I s- saw from Jalen Samuels. I mean, three touchdowns, uh, one in the air, two on the ground. The, the defense looked solid. They started a little slow, but I mean, they finished strong. I mean, there's nothing I can really be say bad about right now. Against the against ECU, uh, I think this should be a game that uh, State wins. It's tough to say because always going down to Greenville will always be a tough matchup, but ECU's lost a lot of their players. They all graduated. They have uh, they came in with a new quarterback, and they lost head coach Ruffin McNeil, a surprise firing for me uh, this past offseason, but I think NC State gets it done this weekend. I don't disagree with that. 
and I think the important thing is to remember that while Ryan Finley did impress, came out, scored touchdowns on his first two drives, Jalen McClendon co- comes in, throws an interception, Ryan Finley goes right back to scoring touchdowns. I think the important thing to remember, though, is that Ryan Finley still doesn't have a ton of experience in the Dave Dorwood system. The reason he is the starter is because he understands how Elia Drinkwitz runs the offense. Defensively speaking, I don't think William and Mary was that big of a test. Devontae Dedman proved that he is a very good wide receiver. I thought clearly the quarterback did a nice job getting him the football. Secondary still has some questions for me. Looked like a good all-around effort, but here you go. You're playing an East Carolina team that fired Ruffin McNeil essentially because they went a game under 500 and yeah. wanted a little bit of fresh blood in there. A surprise firing, I think, is a very good word to use. Mm-hmm. You also look at East Carolina having had Lincoln Riley, now the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma. They have some good coaches down there, and they have some good players down there. Ethan, weigh in with your thoughts here about what's going to go down in Greenville. I think NC State right now is the more talented team. I don't really think it's it's that close. NC State has grown, Dave Doran specifically, in his recruiting efforts, has boosted the level of talent, and it, it's going to be superior to what ECU has. Where ECU has is it's their biggest game of the year. It's their Super Bowl. You know, if they go 5-7, and seven, but they beat NC State, they could consider that a successful season in Scotty Montgomery's first year. And they're obviously going to have the crowd behind them. So NC State can't just just show up and put on their red uniforms and look good and 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 win by three <laughs> touchdowns. You know they're actually going to have to go out and and earn the victory. EC, they're going to have to survive the first rush from the crowd and and ECU is going to be all excited. And if they can survive the first quarter, you know, in a tie game, you know, even only down three points or so, um, that that's going to be key. And then hopefully be able to with the better athletes and the better depth be able to put ECU away late. See, I actually would disagree with that. I think for East Carolina and for NC State. It's all about the first half. If NC State can go ahead and hop out to a lead like they did against William & Mary, you don't have to worry about opening up the playbook and trying new things. All you have to do is execute your simplest base strategy from there on out. If you're East Carolina, you want to go ahead and get the quick strike, get the crowd into the football game, and intimidate NC State. I think critically down the stretch, though, especially as you get later in games, regardless of talent, in all athletics, it's about who wants it more. And Dave Doran himself had a quote that he talked about yesterday about how this isn't really a rivalry game for NC State. You go out, you want to win every game regardless of opponent. He told us you want to win any game in state, but of course this is not a UNC. This isn't even a Duke. This is like playing little brother for NC State. This is what it has to feel like if you're North Carolina and playing NC State in basketball because of the NC State and Duke rivalry. This is what it feels like for NC State. That being said, you cannot underestimate East Carolina. Scotty Montgomery has beaten NC State once in Dave Doran's first year. He knows how to win. And that's why I think it's going to be a lot tighter than people think. I think this is a one-score football game. Ethan, as you said, this is the game they live for every three years. I just so happen to be fortunate enough that I get to see it in person twice as a student. I saw it freshman year. and I saw East Carolina take over that football game, Shane Carden and J.J. Hardy. I saw them as a fan base overtake the Red and Carter Finley Stadium and scream purple and gold across the seats at each other. I don't think that these two teams are so unevenly matched that that is going to happen. I think it's going to go down to the wire. But again, for NC State, it's all about hopping out early in the first half. Uh, I couldn't agree more just because when an upset is brewing, let's be honest, we always see the underdog jump out ahead first and then the so-called favorite opponent uh, has to crawl back and eventually takes a handle of the game. I, I, I think it'll be different. 
I, I, I would not be surprised to see ECU go up 10 in the first quarter. I would not. But I do think NC State does come back just because it's tough for me to look at ECU's roster and see a lot of offensive firepower, to be honest. That will wrap it up here on The Howler. We hope you enjoyed this inaugural episode of Season 2, our preview show where we've talked to almost every coach from a fall or winter sport. Guys, thanks so much for being with us. We'll be right back next week. You've just been given the State of Wolfpack Athletics, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Howler, a service of PAC-TV. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu slash sports.